0: Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast featuring lead pastor Doug Sherman. For more information about Grace Harvest Church, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you as Pastor Doug shares this week's message. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I have the privilege of sharing with you and the opportunity or assignment to wrap up our series that we have been on for four months. Somebody say, "Woo!" Uh, called Heart Matters. We, we began a journey in January uh, in talking through what would be the thing that we feel like the Lord is is wanting us to, to, to travel through in, in conversation and topic. And so we started in January and we find ourselves here the, uh, the first Sunday of May for us in gathering. Uh in So four months later, it's been quite a journey. The Lord has led us to conversate through a number of things. And so I just want to, to recap something really quick. So, so we began with the, the idea of heart matters is that your life is of great concern to God. He cares about who you are and the issues of life and setting the context that out of the heart, all the issues of life flow right out of the heart. The mouth speaks and the issues of life are we carry within us and and God is concerned about those things. And then we, we we continue the journey with life is precious and and uh, fr- from conception to, to the end of life, that life is precious, that God had a plan for us in a way, and that we value life, and that every life counts, that we are in the camp that says every life counts and every life matters, that we've been on a journey, and in the midst of that, we, we pause to, to remember and to talk through and to care for several families in our church that lost loved ones, and we, we think that that is important and critical and probably supersedes much of what we do here is to gather around and to slow down and to say, Lord, help us to acknowledge and remember and to do that, hopefully do that well. And then generosity, the idea that the Lord has blessed us and we are um, compelled because we've been recipients of the grace of God to also give, and that's more than just our money. That's of our time and talents, and Pastor Doug has has unpacked that so well that that God has given us many things. One of them is he's given us spiritual gifts to share with the church that we would bless one another. He's given us um, innate giftings that come um, right just in how we're born and wired that we could bless one another with in our, our time. And, and then money is one of the resources that, that makes things happen that we could give back to that in the church and to others. Amen? Amen. So we've been through this journey. Heart matters. And today, I just want to tie it up, if I can, with the idea that those were issues that are going to pour from us. And just a reminder of us to say, if I could summarize in subtopic to say it's all about Jesus all of the time. And, and right there is the core. And, and I hope to journey through to say what is the heartbeat of Jesus that we're to then get in line with what he would have us to do and say, Lord, let, us, let that reverberate through us. If you've got a Bible... You turn to Matthew chapter 16, electronic device. I want to encourage you, open up your Bible, electronic device. I think it'll be on the screen, Matthew 16 and verse 13. I just want to start here. I feel like this is the crux of, of our conversation to begin with. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right, you need more time? Say, any more time? Somebody. All right, here we go. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Through 18. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Barjonia. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I wanted to just stop in something and just camp on the idea. That Jesus, when he journeyed with the disciples, he journeyed with him. He began to establish a reputation of him working in the lives of people. And then as the following began to, to gather around, they begin to speak about who is this one who is doing all these things. And Jesus was quite fascinated with, with what he thought the disciples would say about him or the revelation of what they would utter about who he was. Just like Jesus, in the very way that he does, he cuts right to the issue of heart. He asked him directly, what's the word on the street about me? Who do people say that I am? And they're quick to, oh, you're a prophet, Jeremiah. Some say Elijah. Here's the murmurings. Oh, man, it's good stuff. And then he cuts right. Who do you say that I am? You see, the very nature of the rest of our conversation this morning is built on this idea. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? What do you utter if somebody were to ask you, Who is Jesus? What would come out of your mouth? Jesus was quite fascinated, and the response was, Wow, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Truth began to reverberate at that moment. And on that truth, the church would be built. The Christ, the Son of the living God. Why was that so important? Well, because when we declare what it is that we believe, we have to begin to do something with this very thing that we say. Amen. Come on, right? I mean, that, that very moment that we address what it is that we're, that, that we're hanging on to, or that it's the issue, or it's the label, or the name, or title, when we, when we get it out of us, We have to then do something with what it is. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's all about Jesus all of the time. I just want to set some framework. Jesus is the founder of his church. Jesus is the founder of his church. and In verse 18, he says, I will build my church. Nobody else could do what Jesus did and is doing. Nobody else had the credentials, nobody else had the qualifications, nobody else had the authority, nobody else had the power to proclaim, declare, set up, build up and continue this very thing that we call the church. We're not an institution just because we filed some 501c3 claims and filed it with the IRS that says we are now a nonprofit so we're a church. We are an assembly of believers that have gathered together in like mind to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that very utterance gives us the authority to celebrate his kingship together. Amen? Supersedes everything else. If we were unable to gather here in this building, I guarantee you that God would compel people to gather in homes, in parks, anywhere else. And if necessary... In the desert and in the forests and anywhere else, God's kingdom will prevail. His church will move. The gates of hell will not stop it or thwart it. Jesus is the founder and the keeper of his church. He's the engineer and builder in 1 Corinthians 3.11. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other thing is the foundation of this church that we are a part of, that we find ourselves intricately woven into. Some of you right here are on a journey, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is calling you and moving you, and, and actually maybe the Holy Spirit has hooked your hearts, and you don't even know it. And you feel something drawing you, and you find yourself even here this morning like... <clears throat> Church, of all the places, church, the gathering of believers, the ones who have the word of hope, or at least I think should. Amen? Amen. Like right here, this assembly of believers, the ones who are able to say, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This was his idea. You are not here by accident. We didn't just happen to stumble into relationship with one another. I submit to you that if it wasn't for Christ, I'm not even sure that I would get along with you. Come on, somebody. But because of Christ and because of his miracle working power, there's a unity that begins to move and shape and we share something in common. It's Jesus is the founder of his church, that he's the engineer, the builder, it was his idea he was the stone that the builders rejected he became the cornerstone psalms 118:22 it's prophesied way before thousands of years lest you think that gathering together with like-minded people was your idea it was his idea first peter 2:6 for it's behold i am laying in zion a stone A cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Praise the Lord. How many of you guys have ever come across the revelation that in Christ there's no more condemnation or shame? This is an idea that I submit to you as prevalent in New Testament believers and, and I'll give you an example. How many of you guys in years past are familiar with those little paper tracks that were handed out called Chick Tracks? They were little comic books that were, that were a great tool uh, given to, to people. Just spread them out. And they had the gospel woven into them. Different stories in different ways. And, and as a kid, I came across them and I, and I would read them. But there's one thing that always stuck out to me. Is that one day I was going to stand before God and give an account for my life. Right? I mean, we see this, it's a scriptural precedent. The other thought was this is that one day standing before God, my life was gonna be played out before me. And that that thought struck fear in my heart, even shame and condemnation. Because I don't know about you, but I'm just a human. I have a past, there's a, there's a history, I've done things. But, and so this text says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. When you stand before God, on that day, whenever it is that you're going to stand before God, and, and he, he sees you and there's there's the judgment seat or whatever you, you've thought through in your theology about standing before God. Your life may indeed play out before you, but I submit to you that it's going to be watched through the filter of the blood and sacrifice of Christ. And so instead of hearing the words of condemnation and pain and departure, you're going to hear the words of acceptance and forgiveness and being brought in. Welcome in today. into abide with me. See, there's something about this way of thinking that changes things about how we walk with Christ. I've been forgiven. I'm washed. I'm I'm cleansed. I'm forgiven. No more shame and condemnation. Wow, my Father God, He He loves me. He made a way. It's it's a game changer in perspective. In perspective. No more shame. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says, Then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. By the Spirit, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Imagine that, that we are being built together and he's fashioning us and shaping us so that we become a dwelling place for God by his Spirit. How many of you guys have thought, have thought through the process that you are part of this process of the universal church, that Jesus is shaping and forming and knitting together through relationship, through the bond of Christ. Have you ever looked around and thought, wow, I don't know that I ever thought that I would be joined with these people. I have. It's just a thought in me. It's like, wow, I never thought that these people would be ones that I call family through my relationship with Christ. It's a game changer. It's a word of hope. It's a word of revelation. It's a word of reconciliation. It's it's one that takes the lonely and sets them into family. It's one that takes the broken and walks them through a journey of healing. It's one that takes the outcast that's been rejected and applies another label, title, and name to them. And says, you're accepted and you're a son. And you're brought in. It's one that's seen their life is full of failure and who says, I got another way and we're gonna redeem the time and bring you in. You see, it's a powerful word. And if you've ever found yourself on the other side, Or you remember before grace or the journey that you've walked through or even the journey now knowing Christ. That there have been things that maybe you've wrestled with that have really taken hold and it seems like that's been the label that's been applied over you. That Jesus has another name. Amen. Amen. That his word is the final word because it's his Idea That he's the constant in Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why would the writer of Hebrews take the time to remind us of the characteristic of Christ? Because the writer of Hebrews in this case is out to say, Jesus is not like everything else that you've seen out there. He's not like the broken promises. He's not like the missed expectations. He's not like people that you know that can't fulfill what it is they've set out to do. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. You can trust him. You can put your faith in him. You can rely on him. He's reminding us, telling us, setting foundation, Jesus. It's all about him, all of the time. He's the head. Jesus is the head of the church that was his idea. He said, I'll build my church. He has the authority to do so. His will to do. His will to say, I'm going to gather people and knit them together. In Ephesians 1.22, he says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Pastor Doug did a great job last week, I believe, in talking about the body of Christ and all the parts and features and, and where you might even think that you fit in. And, and I'm sure you were sitting there thinking, what part am I? And what, what position am I? in? I hope I'm not a big toe. There are worse parts. And thinking through that, recognizing that no matter how difficult Or no matter what journey or no matter what you've participated or what's been the label, that you are still being knitted into this thing called the body of Christ. That you are still on a journey of being reconciled and renewed and shaped and fashioned into the image of Christ. Once you've said, I repent, I can't do it on my own. You are the only perfect one and I receive that work. Help me come into my life that we would abide in him is a, a desire that we would abide in him in John fifteen four. abide in me and I in you and as the branch cannot bear fruit by himself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me this whole church thing is his idea he's talking through there is no way that as a Christian that you can be a lone ranger Christian can't do it on your own You can't do it on your own. You can't do it healthily on your own. And and if abiding in him means that you're connected to the vine, the vine's connected to to the root system and, and the trunk, and the function of being connected and all that is, one of the processes that happens is a continual flow of life runs to the outer limbs that's connected to the vine. Just think about what happens when you're alone. The process of being alone and trying to work this out is we get stuck in our head. And in our heart. And I'm here to tell you today that left to ourselves, emotions lie, thoughts deceive. We can get stuck in our own machinations that don't line up with the word of God or who God is. And there's something that happens when you when you when you take all that and you bring it into the body of Christ and the fellowship of the believers. You start talking with them and, and they begin to ask you questions. So, how you doing? What's going on? What are you thinking? And you're like, uh, uh, bleh. And something happens when you get the words into the air. Have you ever noticed? It's like truth begins to invade those words. And all of a sudden, the other believer, who is led by the power of the Holy Spirit, looks at you and says, what? That's not true at all here's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or here's the real situation, or here's what you need to, get. and all of a sudden, they're speaking life over you, and it's a game changer. It's like cleansing water to your soul, being in relationship with one another. We can't Do it on our own. We must be connected to others, but also in our relationship with Jesus, we must take the opportunity to say, all right, Lord, have your way in my life. I want to abide in you. Help me speak to me. Let me walk with you. Help me and lead me on that journey. So so the church is his idea. He is the head of the church. We are members of the body of Christ in the church. What is the heartbeat of Jesus? What's his heart? We've talked through heart matters and, and heart matters and, and mankind issues. What is the heart of God? The heart of Jesus? Well, He came for lost ones. In Luke nineteen ten, it says, "For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost." In Luke five thirty two, "I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Whoa! The heart of Jesus is to seek and save that which is lost. The heart of Jesus is to call sinners to repentance. The heart of Jesus is to give hope to those who have no hope. The heart of Jesus is to take the sick and the wounded and to bind them up and say, God is all over this thing. You are in a healing process. The heart of Jesus is to say, you are no longer alone. I'm bringing you in and you are now in family. The heart of Jesus is to say, your past is not going to define your future. The heart of Jesus is to say, I have the final word over your life. Come on, come on. Are we a people who have grabbed a hope, a hold of this hope? Have we heard the good news of the gospel Good news. Why? Because it declared that you are no longer a slave to sin. Come on, somebody. That you are no longer under that oppression that you can declare. I am free because of the work of the cross and the obedience of Christ laying his life down. He came for lost ones. How does this shape how we interact with our coworkers, with our neighbors, the people around us? It's that when we recognize that they do not have the hope of the gospel. We pray for them. We speak good word over their life. We declare, God, you're going to intervene. We, 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 we follow the leading of the Lord to say, hey, I brought you something. It's baked goods. Or come over. Let's eat together. Or let's hang out. Or, or just along the way, you share your testimony of the goodness of God in your life. Jesus' heart was for lost ones. Jesus' heart was to have a love for fellow man. In John 13, 34, 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Whoa. Whoa. This is an area that uh, I've had to grow in. You really recognize in the journey of life as you contrast what, what the scriptures say and what the heart of Jesus was for people. And you overlay that and say, Lord, I want to I want to get in line with what you have. And he's like, oh, yeah. OK, here's an opportunity right here to love some. You see, it's easy to love people when you get along with them. I love all of you right now. I love all of you. It's, it's when conflict arises. Or something different is interjected. Or, or another way or separation is declared. And all of a sudden you have to, or you have to worry and work through and, and think through. How am I going to love these people who might be opposed to me or indifferent to me or offensive to me? Or how am I to love people who are simply journeying with me and they're just, an occasion of living life, being human? Well, Jesus said, this is the command that he gave his heart, is that we would love our fellow man and love one another as believers. That we would be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind. That, that our first position is, is kindness. Oh, hey. Hey. And this is to, to the fellow believers, but also to the others that we don't even know where they are. It's also to the driver who cuts us off or backs up as we're pulling forward or doesn't use their blinker when changing lanes. I've seen some of you. (laughs) Have you ever been tender hearted towards somebody or experienced tender heartedness towards you? It's an amazing thing. Uh, You know, when you're talking to somebody, I've experienced I'm talking to somebody and then I see somebody walk up who obviously they have an affinity towards or or they love and and their whole demeanor like softens and all of a sudden they're hey. I mean, it's like, hey, I want that. I want to be treated like that or I want to treat others like that. Tender, tender tenderhearted or forgiving one another As God in Christ forgave you. Whoa, uh whoa, there's the bar, right? There's the bar. Wow, You, you, you did that on purpose to me? I forgive you. Oh, that hurt really bad. I forgive you. I don't see how this can be reconciled in the way that it is, but help me, Lord, to journey through. I forgive. You know how much a game changer that is? Many of you have demonstrated in your lives this kind of process. And I commend you in the love of God. Like God is working through you and it's showing others even how to do. You're modeling that to people. It says no one has ever seen God. And if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. One way that people can understand who God is is by how we love one another. Whoa, the demonstration of my fulfillment of working out what I read in scripture is a testimony to others about who God is and what these people called Christians are, that we would abide in love with one another. The heart of Jesus, he came for lost ones and that we would have a love for fellow man and that we would be united in him. In Psalms 133.1, it says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Wow, that sounds good, huh? Because the reason why it sounds good is because you know and you've experienced what division is like or strife. You walk into a room and there's unity happening there. People are welcome to see you. It's like the atmosphere is. You walk in, it's like, hey, we're in unity. We're together. Good to see you. And something happens in your heart. And you, wow, it's good to be seen. It's good to be welcomed. Yes, this is great. But if you ever walk into a room where strife is present? Even if it's just two people and there's 30, as you know. Oh. Or if it was pointed to you. And the heart of God is that we will dwell together in unity. Here's a great Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Whoa, whoa, think about that. Have you ever met people who just have had the ability to let it go? It's like water on a duck's back, just, just let it go. I admire, I pray. I I thank the Lord that there are people in my life who demonstrate what that looks like to me because I'm not one of those people. I I seem to to have to, when I read things like this, I rejoice because it reminds me that there is a way and that way is, Lord, I trust in you and no matter what else happens, I'm going to, to release it and let it go and trust that you're going to work out the details. But I can tell you that if you've ever interacted with people like that, it's refreshing. And you know, it's just like you think things like this. Does anything ever bother these people? You know what I'm talking about. Well, what's the do, man? They just don't seem to get offended. Amen. You want to be like that. That's good that we value the the, the Word of God or the Scriptures to begin to say, I delight in you, God. I delight in the descriptions of your character and nature. I delight in what I read. Help me to apply this. I trust in you. And their surety is not in the experience around them, it's not what they read on Facebook. It's not what's posted around. It's not what other people say about them. It's not whether they did this or didn't do that. It's that they're confident that they're accepted in Christ. And their position is sure. Thank you, God, for loving me. That's good. And that's good enough. I'm there. And that we would be people who can dwell together in unity. Amen? Amen. Loving one another, that we would be a people. The heart of God, we would be a people of prayer. The Apostle Paul wrote to the early church Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus to you. Wow. That we would go about our day and in special moments and say, God, have your way in my life. Here I go today. This is what I'm going to do. I give this to the, oh, those people that just popped into my head. I lift them up to you in prayer right now. Do what it is that you want to do in their life. Help me, oh God, to display who you are to people. Amen? Amen. There would be people who do that. And also that we would be people about the work of God. Jesus was interested. Jesus was interested that we would be people who set our mind and life and heart and affections toward the will of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your your labor is not in vain. Think about this for a moment. You're so sure that you're going to set yourself toward the things of God, and you know that you're making an eternal impact. That, that your affirmation doesn't need to come from people around you i'm just setting myself to go do this i'll stack chairs no one else i'll do it <clears throat> i guarantee you you start stacking chairs and there's sometimes just nobody else is around and there's no one to thank you you get everything stacked and, and you got to be okay with the idea that was for you lord that's enough or maybe you see somebody that needs help and nobody else is around. No one's going to take a photo of your good deed. You're not going to take a selfie. <laughs> and you go and do it because you're compelled because the Lord has said, be about my father's business and, and, and do, what, do the work of the kingdom. And, and, if, and if the Lord leads you, you obey. Or, or maybe you just feel compelled and you, you meet a need. And you don't stop for a minute and take a photo. These were the people in need. I just helped them. If you do your deed in public, that's your reward, You're good. I mean, but we want to be people who please God and we wait for our affirmation from Him. Amen? Amen? That we're willing to do things like that without big fanfare. We meet needs. We talk to people. We address issues. We're willing to, to sacrifice and, and lay it down. And if nobody ever says, thank you, Jesus will. And your reward will be in heaven. And you're doing it to fulfill God's kingdom work. Amen? Amen. The heart of Jesus. That he came for the lost. That we to have love for our fellow man. That we would dwell together in unity. Be people of prayer. And be about the work of God. Would you stand with me?